G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, worker stories and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Radio in Melbourne with the financial support of the Community Radio Federation. We come to you on the Community Radio Network through your local community radio. This week, we feature a report by Stick Together's Queensland reporter, Craig Garrett, on the ACTU Congress 2018, held at the Brisbane Convention Centre. We follow up with a look at the National Union of Workers' next step in the campaign to get a living wage for direct sales workers. You know, those people on street corners asking for donations for well-known charities or knocking on your door asking if you want a new deal on your power service. But first, some workers' news. Last week we highlighted the pay dispute between bus drivers in Melbourne working for Singapore multinational CDC. The news is that TWU CDC members have notified the company that they will take further protected action this week in the shape of five work stoppages, including two 24-hour. This follows two four-hour and one 24-hour work stoppages since July the 10th, an indefinite protected action on July the 21st, with drivers refusing to collect fares, activate touch on ticketing devices or wear CDC uniforms. This is in response to what the drivers call an insulting and substandard wage offer. The 500 members are calling for a 4% rise and 1% superannuation increase. TWU, Transport Worker Union membership at the site, has increased with this dispute. Full stoppages will take place at CDC Sunshine Depot Tuesday the 24th of July from 6am to 10am, CDC Ballarat, Depot, Tuesday the 24th of July, 7am to 11am. CDC Sunshine Depot, Friday the 27th of July, from 3pm to 7pm. Oakley Depot for 24 hours from first bus to Thursday the 26th of July. Wyndham Depot for 24 hours from first bus on Friday 27th of July. Picket lines will be in place at each depot during the protected action. As the newest union on the block, the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union, RAFU, go into bat for Woolworths workers for fair pay and conditions, start looking at office works for its wages arrangements and successfully pursue Domino's Pizza for underpayment of delivery drivers, the latest CEO pay report from the Australian Council of Superannuation Investors, ATSIC, shows payment for company bosses is at its highest level in 17 years, thanks to what they call persistent and increasing bonus payments. The survey says medium realised pay for ASX 100 chief executives rose 12.4% to $4.36 million and rocketed by 22.1% to $1.76 million for ASIC 101-200 company bosses. Bonus payments rose more than 18%, with close to one in three ASX 100 chief executives awarded at least 80% of their maximum bonus. 
The top three ASX 200 earners in the 217 financial year include Domino's Pizza Enterprise Chief Executive Don Menji at $36.8 million, Peter and Stephen Lowry of Westfield at $25.9 million, and Macquarie Group Chief Executive Nicholas Moore at $25.2 million. Average wages growth has flatlined in recent years with the wage price index edging marginally higher to 2.1% in the most recent reading, barely keeping up with inflation. Delegates at the recent ACTU conference in Brisbane voted Michelle O'Neill from the Textile Clothing and Footwear Union, the TCFU, as the new ACTU president following the departure of Jed Carney, the new member for Batman. Michelle O'Neill is a strong advocate for the rights of refugees and spoke strongly against the Labor Party's uh, policy on refugees. She was asked on this issue once she was appointed. Her response was that all our policies get renewed every three years at Congress, but I know how strongly many unions and union members feel about this issue. I will advocate for what I personally and strongly believe in, but I also will have a responsibility to represent the views of the affiliates of the ACTU. You are listening to Stick Together, workers' stories, Union news, social justice issues. Every three years, the Australian Union Peak Body, the ACTU, the Australian Council of Trade Unions, holds a congress of delegates from affiliated unions to discuss the industrial landscape and future plans. Stick Together's Craig Garrett filed this report. The ACTU Congress 2018 was held in Brisbane this year on the 16th and 17th of July. 800 union delegates attended, and such congresses set the Australian Union agenda for the following three years. Now, the issues raised and debated this year included strategies on how to change the rules, class actions and accountability, occupational health and safety, industrial relations issues, democracy and labour rights in the Asia-Pacific, ending wage theft and organising for climate justice. At lunchtime on the second day, delegates marched from the Congress site to the UGL SO offices in Southbank. The march was in solidarity with a whole bunch of workers who have been out of work for over a year. And it was organised by Troy Carter. After winning a seven-year production contract, UGL set up a subsidiary company and sacked the entire workforce, offering them their jobs back the very next day with a 30 to 50% drop in wages. Sally McManus, ACTU Secretary. Australia needs a pay rise. Australians deserve a pay rise. And we're not going to get that pay rise unless working people have stronger voice at work 
stronger rights to bargain. At the moment, we've got a situation where there's record low wage growth, yet we're seeing company profits continue to soar. Productivity has gone up, but our wages haven't. There's a break in our wages system and we've got a serious structural problem. We will not get a fair go unless we ensure that working people have the voice they need to win those pay rises. And that means we need a change to our bargaining laws. And that is to bargain on sector basis, not just on an enterprise basis. That means that working people will be able to band together across the sector, so an occupation like childcare workers, like in the manufacturing industry, so that they can set fair prices for the work they do. In countries that do have sector bargaining, there is less wage inequality and there is less unemployment. It's actually good for the economy. And the reason why we need to change from the system that we've had for the last 25 years is because our economy has changed. The world has changed around us and we need to change with the world. So the ACTU today says out of our Congress, all unions are united to go out and fight for Australians to get the pay rises they deserve. We want to bring back the fair go and we can't have a fair go unless we have a fair system. Thank you very much. Michelle O'Neill, ACTU President, outside the UGL SO offices. I want to thank UGL for having their office five minutes walk from the ACTU Congress. Because this is an absolutely unacceptable tactic. Hold on, come on. Can you get out of the way for the ambulance, thank you. Thank you. Because this is an unacceptable tactic. This is simply corporate thuggery. This is ordinary workers working hard, doing their bit for a company, putting it in to help them increase their profits, negotiating improvements in their paying conditions over many years. And what thanks do they get for that? Nothing. The thanks they get for that is their company sneakily behind closed doors on the other side of the country setting up another corporate entity simply to steal the pay and conditions from their loyal, hard-working workers. Let's not mince words about what this tactic is about. It's about driving down the paying conditions of workers. The Australian Education Union on School Funding, one of the delegate presentations to Congress. Rules for school funding are broken. They were trashed last year when Malcolm Turnbull introduced legislation into Parliament which denied our schools $1.9 billion of funding that was meant to be delivered in 2018 and 2019. Funding which is life-changing. Funding which we would have used in our schools to employ teachers, to employ specialist support staff education support workers, literacy and numeracy programs, disability uh, personnel, school counsellors, as part of our campaign to secure funding for our schools, fair funding for our schools, we have built an incredible community movement. In our schools for the past four years, funding was being delivered as part of the six-year agreement that Malcolm Turnbull has trashed, an agreement that was signed with the previous Labor government and state and territory uh, governments around the country. So we have stories, we know the power of resources and we know that it can change children's lives. If you think that this is not your issue, I ask you to think again. This is an issue for all of us as a trade union movement. In our schools right now, we are educating the children of the future. We are educating the leaders of our country. 
and we are educating the future trade union movement. And we are doing that through teaching our children about dignity, about tolerance, about respect, diversity, social justice, the concept of a fair go, and teaching them to critically question the status quo so that when they go out after school and they enter the workforce and they encounter problems or have bad bosses, that they stand up and fight for their rights. United Voice on fair and equitable pay for early childcare workers. Again, one of the delegate presentations to Congress. Good afternoon, delegates. I'm going to talk to you about the Big Steps campaign, which is the campaign for equal pay for early educators who work in long daycare centres all across Australia. So I'm going to start off by telling you about early educators. There's about 110,000 of them working in long daycare. Early education is one of the most gender-segregated workforces in Australia. 97% of people who work in the sector are women. 21 bucks an hour, not even half the average Australian pay packet, and just $3 more than our minimum wage. 21 bucks an hour to educate our children during the first five years of life, when 90% of their brains are formed. Their wages are disproportionately low compared to other industries and other sectors. You can't tell me that this isn't a gendered issue. This has escalated because the Turtle government has continued, continued to do no action and continued not to take us seriously. What they're getting paid now is effectively the, the minimum. Like they're getting treated as unskilled workers working in the skilled, skilled area. Whether people recognise skills as swinging a hammer or reading a measurement tape or giving a baby a bottle or changing a baby's bum is irrelevant. They're, they're with our kids eight to ten hours a day. They're feeding our kids, they're educating our kids. You know, they're doing, they're doing a job that we do, that we classes engage with. Sally McManus, ACTU Secretary. What we want is a primacy put on the basic principle that no one should work full-time and live in poverty. Workers should be given other options than just enterprise-based bargaining in order to have the bargaining power that they need in order to get pay increases and in order to reflect what is happening in their industries. And the last word should be left with Troy Carter. Thank you everyone for coming out today to support our campaign. We appreciate your time and solidarity in standing up with us. We're here today to lay shame on two companies that are determined to rip the heart and soul out of Australia. They blatantly lied to their workers by pretending to engage in EBA negotiations over two years, while they were actually doing deals in another state with five people who did not work in our industry or know the, or know the risks associated with working in our industry. And they lied by setting up a $2 company while drawing up multiple agreements when they were supposed to be negotiating in good faith with us. And they continue to lie about the wages and conditions they put before us before wielding their axe and terminating our entire maintenance workforce in one hit. UGL and SA should be ashamed of themselves. We teach our children not to lie, yet all they seem to do is tell lies. If it were not true, what would they have to lose by coming out of their crystal palaces to talk to me or my brother Dane or to our members on the picket line face to face? If it were not true, why wouldn't they come from behind their temporary fences and talk to our wives and children 
about the decisions. There is only one answer. They are a gutless, lying bunch of anti-family, anti-worker executives. Listening to Stick Together on Community Radio. A while ago, Stick Together wanted to know more about the working conditions of the people spruiking for donors on street corners that popped up about a decade ago in most Australian cities. We found out their union is that hardworking union, the NUW, the National Union of Workers. I spoke to Godfrey Moez, the Assistant Branch Secretary of the NUW, who is preparing a class action as part of a new strategy to get a living wage for these workers. These are direct sales workers who might be on the streets fundraising for name brand charities, so your Oxfams and your Greenpeaces and your Red Crosses and uh, smaller charities, but they're also oftentimes the workers who will be going door to door and knocking on doors selling um, subscriptions to Foxtel or trying to get people to change over to Telstra uh, or getting people to switch energy providers. So it's all part of a very deep neoliberal subcontracting model uh, uh, where Large entities, whether charities or corporations, essentially don't have to pay for. They can extract for free uh, or near close to free the labour that is required in order to bring the sales and revenue into their uh, organisations and corporations. So they they get away with that by shifting the risk onto the workers uh, um, for being unsuccessful in a sale. So that's through the piecework system where the workers will get a bonus uh, and the workers get a bonus if they successfully transact a sale, but they don't get paid for their time. So they're treated as independent contractors, um, but we know that in substance they're treated exactly like employees, just with none of the rights that a company and protections that accompany the employment relationship, uh, even though those still need to change. So the life of a direct sales worker or fundraiser bears a lot of resemblances to a cult in uh, in some of these corporations so they would you would get up very early you'd go you commonly you go to a 7am or an 8am team briefing 
you get all G'd up in that team briefing about how you're going to go out there today and you're going to win the, you're going to win the sales, whether that's for your charity client or your corporate client. Uh, you would then spend commonly 11, 12 hours in the field. Uh, you would be told where you were going to go. You'll be told exactly what to say. You'd have a research, you'd have a whole manual uh, on the language that you're supposed to use and the tactics that you're supposed to use. Then you will come back at the end of the day, you will debrief, and then you will be encouraged to socialise just with those workmates. Very much a, a cult situation. Uh, you know, oftentimes these workers are educated as to how they're supposed to speak to their family and friends about the relationships they're in. And there's a perception that uh, it's predominantly um, European and North American backpackers who might be engaged in this work as opposed to um, East and Southeast and South Asian workers who uh, and Pacific workers who might get involved in uh, the agricultural and food sector. But mostly these workers are... Uh, uh, local workers uh, coming into the workforce, uh, 18, 19-year-old workers who are told that they are going to get six-figure salaries and own their own company and not have to come out of university with a hex debt, but instead have this shortcut to uh, a life of riches. And uh, they just end up in arrangements where they work uh, 60 to 70 hours a week, six days a week, uh, earning maybe two, three hundred dollars a week, and that might be a good week, and they are just absolutely broke. So, it's draining work. It is extractive in the deep sense of the term. Uh, these are people that don't get an opportunity while they're stuck in this work to live a holistic life, to maintain the relationships that you need to to have a good quality of life. That don't get a chance to even really continue on with their studies. It, it's extractive. Everything is expected of these workers in the here and now with the promise that maybe tomorrow they'll become rich and enter the corporate heaven. The market at the moment, uh, our action um, involves four uh corporate groups and there's a whole range of tiny little companies that people might end up you know commonly working for um, and there's a sep there's another action that um, the first action is is apco uh, and that's a more traditional form of class action and the four actions that we're working on at the moment are pca group global interactive credico and ada uh, and these are actions that we think will get up to um, over combined those for $100 million um, for underpayments. And underpayments just matched against the award against the legal minimum wage because we're talking about people not getting an hourly wage, not getting overtime, uh, not getting relevant shift loadings. And commonly for a worker, if you end up being in this arrangement for six to 12 months, you are Thirty to sixty thousand uh, dollars in the hole, just because you work so many hours oh, doing yeah. this role. So, when you say you're taking a class action, is this common law or is this through the Fair Work Commission? Uh, it's not common law. Uh, we're taking an underpayment claim under the Fair Work Act, but it'll be through the federal court. Uh, it's too large, really, to go through the Fair Work Commission. Uh, so, it, it's a class action in the. Um, broad sense of the term in that you know we're representing a whole class of workers but it's not a traditional class action uh it's a 
representative action where the union is the claimant. So the law firm we're working with on this, Adero, we're also working um, with the legal funders um, to fund the action. And so we had to have a process where we kind of bargained with the legal funders as to how much they would be funding and on what basis they would um, recoup their investment in the case and, and how that could be done ethically so that members didn't miss out. So the innovative thing, the new thing about this is that there's a, uh, a three-way partnership going on here between an employee law firm, the union uh, and legal funders. So that's kind of interesting. Um, we don't know where it will, will go, but I think we're at a space and time where it's incumbent upon Australian unions to try different things to change the rules uh, and do things that radically shift how entire industries uh, operate so that they've got to respect workers. So the union is doing it on behalf of its members. Uh, so it is a very traditional uh, underpayment claim where the main legal issue that we'll be working through uh, is whether these workers are deemed employees at law or independent contractors. And if we can uh, win this case, then hopefully we can set uh, a very good precedent that has ramifications as well for the gig economy as to uh, who is classed as an employee. So what's the timeline for this? Uh, the timeline for this is uh, this is going to roll on for at least another 24 months. Uh, we've filed actions against ADA and uh, Credico and we're just collecting claimants and members to be able to file against PCA and Global Interactive. Uh, we should be in receipt of the defences for ADA and Credico uh, in the next few days uh, and then uh, hopefully we should know when our federal court hearing dates are, or at least the preliminary dates. This is going to roll on. We've already started to see some shift in the way that direct sales operates as a result of what we're doing, but it's a partial shift. So uh, when we've gone out in recent months and spoken to direct sales workers out on street corners, where they've been for... Um, Broadly, le where they've been working for broadly left, leftist or progressive uh, charities and NGOs, uh, we found that those workers are at least telling us that they're being paid the award. But we, when we ask them who their contractors are, um, oftentimes we find that they are working for contractors who will have some workers who are paid on the award and some workers who are paid as independent contracting. So essentially, these marketing companies uh, or middlemen uh, are offering their clients uh, a range of services where they can choose between the award or independent contracting and we've got to make sure that every worker is is paid uh, for their time, uh, is paid a legal and decent minimum wage, is treated with dignity and respect and can have a voice through the union. That's it for Stick Together. Thanks to you for listening. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au or through iTunes and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 03 9419 8377. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. 
My name's Annie McLaughlin. Until next time, stick together.